We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host. Joining me tonight is my good friend, Alex. Alex, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing good. Came very close to the Chargers' first three-game losing streak in two years, uh, but they avoided it, and they got the two-point conversion right when they needed it, so um, that's good, so I'm doing well. Yeah, uh, obviously the the Eagles and Packers game is still going. Uh, so appreciate Alex, you know, being willing to uh, start podcasting while the, the Eagles game is still going on. So don't ever question his fandom. You know, he's missing the end of the prime. I'm, miss, I'm missing right the Jordan Love era for this. <laughs> Shout out to our guy Jason. Uh, I'm sure he's doing wonderful right now, watching uh, Jordan Love uncork a 60 yard pass to Christian Watson. So. Uh, you know, the, the OG listeners around here will never forget the, the love at six hype train that Jason tried to, uh, start up. So I'm sure he's having a great time. So, uh, as you guys can tell watching live and, uh, listening by this point. So Tyler is, uh, still not with us, uh, vocally, you know, he's here in the chat right now, uh, still, uh, not feeling great. So hopefully he is able to, uh, you know, overcome this illness in the next few days. We can get back to, uh, the usual routine on uh, Wednesday for our next show. Uh, that being said, we are going to dive into the Chargers and Cardinals game. Obviously, Chargers coming out on top uh, with a last-second two-point conversion over the Arizona Cardinals, 25-24. to A much-needed win, staying alive in the AFC playoff race, which uh, we didn't get a ton of clarity this week. Obviously, the Patriots did lose, which really helped the Chargers out this week. But other than that, Jets win. 
Bengals win, um, Bills win. So, you know, kind of a uh, status quo for now. Um, but Alex, as you kind of look at this uh, from a generality standpoint, what's kind of your your takeaway from the Chargers beating the Cardinals today? Uh, I mean, you know, they're still alive, you know, in terms of the AFC race. They couldn't afford to lose this game at all. I mean, if you go down, especially because all those teams won today, like the Jets and the Bengals and the Bills, you go down to five and six, and now you're two games back of the Jets, you're two games back of the Bills, you're two games back of the Bengals. Like, it just would have been really hard to lift, especially because the Chargers have some tough games coming up against uh, Miami, and then you have the Tennessee game as well. Um, so winning this game, I thought was a must. I still think winning next week's game was a must as well, or is a must, I should say, against that Josh McDaniels Raiders team, uh, who got a walk-off win today. So they're also kind of riding some momentum a little bit, I guess, as well. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, and I just wanted to see the Chargers finally play with that mentality that this had to be a game that they had to have, uh, despite it being on the road, despite you know, Kyler Hopkins uh, and Hollywood Brown coming back like this still had to be a win for them. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the two point conversion and, and the decision to go for it. But, you know, that was it was fine. It was relieving to finally see that effort and that mentality, you know, on that final drive uh, be as dire as it is for the coaching staff to know that it's as a big a deal as it is to win that game right then, right then and there. Um, and, and it was just uh, nice to see that impact from them. Yeah, it was just a it was a day of of two different storylines. I mean, it was almost a, a disastrous, <laughs> uh, you know, turn of events at the end of the game as it's sitting 24 17 for the longest time. I mean, it started 10 0 at the same time. So, you know, the, the team said all the right things leading up to this week that, you know, they're they're moving on from the previous two weeks. They're 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 washing their hands of the two losses. You know, they're they're focused on making this playoff push and then they come out and it's 10 to zero. And you're like, where we're here again, we're 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 double digit. Uh, we're down double digits again already in the first quarter. So I guess it would have been the second quarter. But um, it, it just felt like this. It, it feels like this team just needs to get their backs against the wall in order for them to perform their best. And that's on both sides of the ball. That's just in general whether it's in terms of like putting some drives together on offense or getting some stops on defense winning the game it just feels like they're at their best at this point with their backs against the wall and that's obviously not sustainable like this team on paper statistically is is not as good as some of these other teams that we're talking about and you're definitely going to be worried about some of these matchups down the road but this this Chargers team just does not give up whenever you know past teams have, and if you want to compare past coaching staffs to this one, I think people can do that. But this staff and this team has shown a resi- resiliency in each game and overall in the season that other teams have not. So uh, you know it would have been very easy for this to turn into a Jacksonville game. It would have been very easy for this to turn into a <laughs> felt like a Patriots game at the start of it, to be honest. Uh, from 2020 and uh, you know we, you get the the Derwin interception and, and you get some momentum on offense and this team just kind of uh, scraped and clawed and, and found a way to win today so uh, it's not been pretty this season and it's probably not going to be pretty but as long as this team can t- continue to rely on Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and, and uh, Joshua Palmer and Gerald Everett and Derwin James and all these guys to to make plays in opportune moments like this is unfortunately the recipe for success for the season is just 
do barely enough. You know, Chris Harry pointing out that, you know, their last few road games have come uh, victoriously by like eight combined points in four games. So this this is who this team is. It's not sustainable, but it's working for them. Uh, I'd like for once in my life for them to just play a normal football game. Right. No, <laughs> it, it, it'll never happen. That dream is is long gone. Um, I, I do think there's a point, like, you know, uh, I did mention, like, if I think the announcer said on the broadcast, this would have been their first three-game losing streak, and they lost this since 2020. And, and I mean, that's a credit, that despite my, you know, mixed feelings on the staff right now, that game was an absolute mess, um, you know, there is something to be said again about pulling it together when it matters most. Right. Um, and, you know, because this, this whole season, you know, at various points, I think could have turned into like a 2020 Anthony Lynn sucks part one and Anthony Lynn sucks part two um, for listeners who remember those episodes. Like, you know, once you tend to like lose, you know, the locker room or lose a little bit of that momentum that you have, things could get ugly and snowball. Right. And, you know, to Brandon Staley's credit, you know, while we haven't had much more than a two-game winning streak, we also have not, you know, bottomed out either. And I think that is significant, you know, amongst the players um, and just the level of effort that you see every week. Certainly from an offensive standpoint, um, defensive standpoint, I guess it's never been about the effort of the players more so than how they're being used and, and the positions they're being put in. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see the fight on this team. You can definitely see the fight in the way that they perform, the way that they act, you know, with each other and with this staff. So um, they deserve to be commended for that, for sure. Um, we'll get right into the two-point uh, conversion conversation right now, because obviously that is what decided the game. Um, you know, I, I sent in our group chat uh, between the four of us, you know, Tyler and Arjun, that, uh, you know, I was already thinking if they were going to go for two or not. Brandon Staley and, and Justin Herbert said that they knew that, they were already going to do that heading into the drive. So uh, credit to them. I feel like this two-point conversion could be – I don't think he's going to get all the way back to you know fourth and Staley, but I think this is a good thing for Brandon Staley overall just in terms of his thought process and being able to p- potentially be a little bit more aggressive like we saw uh, from 2021. But what did you make of, of the thought process there from Brandon Staley to go for it, the two-point conversion and the win? in that situation. I mean, I think Brandon Staley just realized like, what am I going to do? Am I going to throw my defense potentially out there for another coin flip if the Cardinals win? Right. Like, and then, you know, suddenly it's 24, 24 in overtime and, you know, let's say the Cardinals win the coin toss and my defense gets roasted out there, you know, and this has been like the calculus we've sort of been talking about all season, which is like, Hey, like you can't, rely on your defense and this was the case in last year for Staley and there's a greater criticism there in terms of the defense still sort of being what it is but you know at some point you just have to roll with the offense and if you have a chance to you know win the game right there without taking it into overtime or without you know relying on other variables to go your way then you have to take that opportunity 10 times out of 10 and that's been uh, certainly I think me you and Tyler's issue with the decisions on fourth down this year um, you know, when they have been less aggressive because they don't really have the defense to back it up. Um, and then, you know, in this game, certainly, I just think everyone universally who was around their TVs was like, go for two, right? Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, you see Jacksonville and Baltimore earlier in the day, Doug Peterson, you know, doing a very similar thing. So, I mean, 
you know, going, going back to Chargers Chiefs in 2018, right? Like just both teams exhausted end of the game. Like you just want to take it into your own hands. And if you have a really good play call, which, you know, Joe Lombardi felt that he did by just, you know, throwing Eckler out in motion. And then suddenly Gerald Everett's, you know, wide open in the middle, you know, that seemed to be, you know, what worked for the Chargers. So uh, overall, I, I just thought that the, the decision to go for two was just a- almost a no brainer for me. Like I felt that way the same way when the Chargers got the ball back, I'm like, you know, you have to go for two if you get the touchdown. Um, and you know, maybe we're having a slightly shittier podcast if it's 24, 23 and the chargers, you know, that's the final, uh, if they missed the two point conversion, but I still feel, I still would have felt better if they had lost 24, 23, than if they had lost 27, 24 in overtime. Right. Um, just the ability, just the knowledge that Staley finally kind of went for it, went with the aggression. Um, and, and, you know, if you lose the percentage game, you lose the percentage game. But the Chargers just could not have, you know, played scared and then still lost uh, in the 24-24 instance. And, you know, just leaving it to chance uh, was not something that Brandon Staley should have done by taking the extra point. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And I I think this is just in general how we on this show kind of view the podcast. And it's like, yeah, you kick the extra point. You're probably playing you're probably playing in overtime at that point. But it's like then you're you're risking your chances of winning or losing on a coin toss, right? Like how many times have we seen this team, uh, you know, get in that situation or teams in general, you lose the coin toss and your offense just never gets the ball back. So I, I wish more teams would do this more often in this kind of situation. We saw two teams do it today, obviously the Chargers being one, the Jaguars being the other one. Um, and it worked out for both of them. And, you know, this is these are instances where you're trusting your offense to go make a play and like this is an opportunity for your offense to go win the game and i think that's how more teams should operate at least if you have you know the quarterbacks and the players to do it so um again this felt it it feels right now like a positive step in the right direction for for brandon staley from a process standpoint because that was always his thing last year was that i'm gonna trust justin herbert with the ball in his hands over everybody else so from a thought process standpoint, I really appreciated it. I, I love the fact that he went for it and, and trusted his team to go and perform. I actually really liked the play call as well. I thought the play call and the play design was fantastic. I mean, you get all of the attention focused in on Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, and then you do a little mini whip route from Gerald Everett behind Keenan Allen, uh, and he just put Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Simmons in a bit of a blender. So uh, I really liked the thought process. I really enjoyed the play call as well. I thought that was probably one of Joe Lombardi's better red zone calls uh, that we've seen this year. So overall, the thought process was outstanding from the Chargers in that situation. Yeah, and I mean, just that play call in general and Gerald Everett, you know, through the whole game, like that's that's the difference, like the, and what they've been missing the previous yeah. two games, right, uh, without Gerald Everett. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, like him being back for this one, I think was huge uh, just in terms of his value, not even just as, you know, a receiver, you know, not a huge day for him or anything for for uh, catches for 18 yards plus the two point conversion. But, you know, just him out there as a blocker out there as a tight end in general, uh, I think was huge for the team because. Uh, you know, they don't win this game if Trey McKitty is their tight end one. <laughs> if Trey McKitty no. was the guy in that play, either he drops the ball or something would have happened. But uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think Gerald Everett's value to the team uh, is just really, uh, 
even though he's not going to put up like huge numbers, uh, it's just indescribable, uh, like how important he is to this offense and, and how it's run. And you've seen that the last two weeks against San Francisco uh, in Kansas City and what it's looked like without him. So, uh, no. And we got Peyton Manning questions in the chat. Like, what is happening right now? Um, yeah, that that's uh, just not happening at all. So I think you're confusing your your Peytons there, my guy. Um, anyways, so obviously this uh, this this win could feel a lot different right now if the Chargers had you know not been able to come through in the clutch. So um, the day for the offense was very mixed results, right? And I thought that you know we talked about the need for the Chargers to be able to design up a protection plan that would keep the uh, Cardinals pass rush at bay. It did not come to fruition. The, the Chargers offensive line and protection plan did not play up to par in, in that regard. Justin Herbert ended up being sacked four times after being sacked five times last week. And I think three the week before that. So uh, Justin Herbert is being hit way too often right now. And you could really kind of tell that that limited their ability to push the ball down the field and do a lot of their play action game. That being said, I do think that Joe Lombardi did not do a good enough job of scheming up a right, uh, uh, a well-executed plan to make sure that Herbert had the time. Like they didn't do any of the max protection stuff they did against the 49ers. And I understand that, you know, the 49ers are a much better team uh, on paper. And you had Foster Serrell starting in right tackle in that situation. You had Trey Pipkins back today, but... I just felt like there weren't enough pass protection adjustments from this team. And thankfully it didn't end up costing them the the win, but it nearly did. Like there, there were just was no offense up until the very final drive in the second half because they just could not protect Justin Herbert very well. Yeah, no, I definitely think the protection was an issue. And like the Chargers had sort of been getting by, I guess, with Salier and Pipkins because you know, Salier has obviously been playing really well right um but he also was kind of maybe due for like one of these games where he gives up like five pressures today um so you know that's kind of a rookie game that he takes on the chin for him uh and then obviously uh, the pipkins uh Sarrell situation uh something that's worth pointing out i think this is the first time storm norton's been completely inactive yeah year. healthy scratch um, yeah yeah, so Foster Serrell signed to the active roster as well, which we didn't uh, get yeah. to a chance to talk about yesterday. So yeah, so I mean, they finally heard me uh, on the Saturday podcast. It's like <laughs> you can't, can't keep playing both of them. You got to pick one, and so they finally went with Foster Serrell. Uh, you know, I mean, didn't have the best game tonight, uh, and and has been subpar so far. But I mean, it's probably about what you would have gotten from Norton too. So yeah. I mean, in that standpoint, they just finally need to choose between them um and so yeah i mean as far as the protection yeah it definitely wasn't as good could have been schemed up a little bit better by joe lombardi but it just felt like this was a week the offensive line did not you know have it um pretty rough game for filer uh two i would say so at this point you know you're just hoping that like you can kind of get a little bit healthier next week trey pipkins bounces back salary bounces back um and then you're hoping for you know a better Output against the Raiders, who I'm um, after watching Max Crosby today, uh, you're gonna need it. So yeah. Yeah, obviously Corey Lindsay uh goes out late in the first half with a concussion. Uh hope he will be able to clear concussion protocol, but you know, given what 
has really happened around the league this year. I, I wouldn't really expect Corey Lindsley to play on Sunday at this point until we hear uh, otherwise. So um, initial pressure numbers from Pro Football Focus, courtesy of Arjun, has Jamari Sawyer at five, Trey Pipkins at four, then Zion, Trey McKitty, Foster Serrell each at two. Foster Serrell didn't play that much for what it was worth. Uh, and then Will Clapp and Matt Filer each allowed one. So um, not a banner day from the offensive line pressure standpoint, like I said, uh, that did really limit what they were able to do. But um, again, this is just kind of the unit that we have this year. You know, there's no Slater. Obviously, Trey Pipkins has been banged up the, the entire season pretty much at this point. Reaggravated his knee issue again today. Corey Lindsay, like I mentioned, the concussion. So, um, you know, the offensive line has, has not been able to get into a groove uh, really all season and, and Thankfully, today it didn't really cost them uh, a loss because it it almost did. Yep. Um, so ultimately, uh, Justin Herbert had a, uh, had himself a pretty good game, and I think for him to to have that moment to be able to you know come have that uh, fourth quarter comeback victory again, um, and, and not do it in a conventional Justin Herbert way, like this really did take everybody, which I think is an important uh, thing to point out. Like Tyler mentioned. Uh, you know, he had some really crucial special teams moments down there in the fourth quarter. J.K. Scott pinning somebody deep. Um, DeAndre Carter had the good punt return to set them up easily. Defense had three, uh, three, three and outs in a row. So, um, you know, Justin didn't have the easiest day, but this really felt like another game where the team did just enough to support him down the stretch where he could be at his best in the final moments. Yeah, I mean, and and for the defense and what it was all day, like it certainly was not good the first three and a half quarters. No. Uh, but, you know, they put it together and had really two good drives, uh, I think, or two good stops there at the end uh, where, you know, Michael Davis obviously comes uh, off the off the blitz and gets Kyler Murray there um, and gets the stop, which I, you know, I didn't think at that point in the game that they were going to get the ball back. Uh, and then, of course, they get two minutes left and the rest is history. But just felt like the defense started playing a little bit better. I, I guess once they sort of found the Cardinals were out of sorts and were, once they were able to finally get like a couple run stops and like slow down the pace, um, then everything sort of just kind of clicked for them. Um, but yeah, overall, like got to give credit to the defense in stepping up when it did. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, I don't know how much credit um, giving to the defense for the whole game, but certainly those uh, few stops that they got were very key. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to some of the concerns later. Uh, I don't want to start that conversation just yet. Um, but like I said, you know, you get two turnovers from Derwin James, you get just enough of, uh, of, uh, presence down the stretch. You know, this is, this is just what this team is going to have to do defensively. So, um, I will say we'll do, we'll do studs and duds later for sure. But, um, Michael Davis had himself a really good game today as well. I mean, we didn't hear a ton from Deandre Hopkins. Uh, you know, he had a couple really nice passes defended. He had a sack in this game too. So, um, Michael Davis and Derwin James really kind of spearheaded this uh, defensive resurgence today in the second half in particular. Yeah, and, and credit to Michael Davis because this was, you know, I mean, came into this game on the injury report, like in getting DeAndre Hopkins thrown at him. Like this was not nearly the easiest assignment, uh, but for him to come through, it's just like it, it was really solid. Uh, and it's been continuation of what we've seen from Michael Davis all year, not necessarily like the best cornerback. Um, you know, on the team, you know, you could debate between him and Asante Samuel Jr., I guess, and Bryce Callahan, depending on, you know, who you want to go for. But like back to that Broncos game when J.C. Jackson gets benched, right? He just comes in. It's a very stabilizing presence uh, and, you know, just does enough for them to win the game. And I felt the same way uh, about his performance today. Not perfect, but, you know, does enough and is, cre- you know, creative enough in terms of how he, you know, uses his body and their the defense's usage of him towards the end of the game uh, and gets a couple nice pass breakups as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we talked about our concern about the passing game of the Cardinals being that it was an offense that could create a lot of explosive plays. And they certainly had some uh, you know, explosive, explosive runs today. But, you know, DeAndre Hopkins outside of the one touchdown, which absolutely was an issue you know jt woods missing that tackle which is you know a tough spot to ask him to be in given his his weaknesses and who deandre hopkins is but um you know hopkins totaling four catches 87 yards marquis marquise hollywood brown six catches 46 yards so for the most part the corners you know did their job today and i thought that um you know that uh that statement by Kyler Murray after the game where he was basically like, yes, yeah, schematically we were kind of fucked. Um, uh, was pretty telling. So the, the chargers do do some good things schematically. They do prepare for certain situations very well, but, um, you know, there definitely are some concerns, but overall I thought the Chargers secondary played pretty well today. Interesting Kyler, because, uh, for three and a half quarters, I thought we were kind of fucked too. So, I mean, it kind of, kind of balanced out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me yeah um you know it is what it is but we'll, 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 i'm sure jt woods will get a lot of flack for how he played but um i don't think he played all that bad after that one play and i thought uh, you know alohi gilman we we talked about him on uh on our show yesterday thought that he had a really good game today you know he was crucial in that fourth down stop he was crucial in a couple other run stops as well there were definitely some issues there but um, I mean, although he plays hard, man, he, he goes after it and he's going to make mistakes, but he always has effort. He always flies around. He always gets the football. So I'm OK with Alohi Gilman being the starter as long as this year Adderley is out. I, I mean, obviously, I wish that the situation were better, but, you know, I know what Alohi's limitations are and I know that he's going to give it his all every single play. And I can I can live with that, given what Nasir Adderley's issues have been this season. 
Yeah, I, I sort of feel the same way about that situation that I did when we talked about it um, in the pregame podcast, but I don't think there's that much of a difference between what you're getting from Alohi and Adderley at this point to the point where you would start Adderley. I mean, even if he's healthy, um, you know, I mean, there are going to be a couple of Alohi Gilman plays like where he tries to pretend to strip the ball out instead of go for the tackle that, that will drive you crazy. Uh, yeah. But overall, I thought this was a relatively sound game from him. Um, not much to complain about in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's see. So I'm just kind of looking over the, the box score right now and seeing what everybody you know was uh, giving. And obviously, we'll get to the run defense in a second here. But from a, a positive standpoint, I mean, you know, this is this was another big DeAndre Carter game as well. I mean, seven catches, 73 yards and a touchdown for DeAndre Carter. He had that one uh just awesome third down conversion on the sideline where he just you know fingertipped it and was able to to haul that in so this was another great game for deandre carter you know continues to prove that he's a reliable receiver four receiver five kind of person and um you know we'll see what they do with him in the offseason but um you know deandre carter was fantastic today yeah deandre carter was great and credit to josh palmer as well um i thought he was also really good um just overall a really consistent effort in a game where, you know, with Mike Williams out, it's sort of a, you need one other person to step up other than Keenan. And I think that those guys answered the call. Although I think Keenan was really close to having uh, that touchdown catch uh, in the end zone. If Herbert yeah. maybe is just a little bit earlier, uh, then, you know, we're probably talking about a, a pretty big game for Keenan Allen compared to what it was, but overall thought he played really well. Uh, but the whole receiving unit was honestly uh, pretty great. And, you know, it, it was a nice, nice change, I guess, just in terms of the consistency of like all three of them sort of firing at once because it's sort of been like, oh, well, Keaton and Palmer were great, but Carter sort of took a backseat or, you know, obviously Mike Williams getting hurt last week. So, you know, you hope that optimally all four of them can kind of, you know, have a game or all four of them can sort of, consistently contribute to the offense if Mike Williams is back next week. Yeah. I mean, five catches, 56 yards for Josh Palmer, five for 49 and the one touchdown for Keenan. I know it wasn't, it wasn't a huge game for either one, but I, I think just the threat of those two being out there really kind of opens some things up for Deandre. It opens some things up for Austin Eckler. So Eckler goes 11 catches for 60 yards uh, in the touchdown at the end. So, Again, kind of speaking to the the pressure and where what that was doing to Justin Herbert up front, a uh, lot more checkdowns again than we've seen the last couple of weeks. So, uh, big pass catching performance there. Um, all right, we'll get to some. I know that everybody kind of wants us to talk about the the run defense and things like that. So, Christian Hernandez wanted to shout him out earlier. Uh, did have a super chat. Wanted to know why can't we ever stop anyone on third down. Also, is Kyle Fanoy the worst edge player pass rusher to ever exist? Since no edging gets no pass rush. Uh, Chris, Kyle Vanoy is not the worst pass rusher on the planet. Uh, he's not the worst edge rusher to ever exist. Uh, there have been significantly worse players on this team than him. So I understand I'll tell the- you who the worst edge player to ever exist was. Jerry Tillery in 2020. <laughs> that was the worst one. <laughs> Hey man, we get a we get a Jerry Tillery revenge game next week. Uh, you oh know. man, I better watch myself. <laughs> uh, I think Alvanoy is solid. I think they're asking him. I mean, he's playing uh, a role that they were not expecting him to, and um, 
you know, it, it, he's not been as productive as I think even he would want to be, but uh, I, I don't think he's playing as bad as people are kind of making it out to be on, on social media right now. I mean, I don't think it's good. Like, obviously, he's, no, definitely not. <laughs> he's he's a weak point. Like, and the opposing offenses since really Joey Bosa's been out, I've been like, oh, let's just run in his direction. Like, that that is a problem. But he's also kind of you know not playing a role that he was expected to. Like, the real problem is not so much Kyle Van Noy as much as they don't have Joey Bosa. Right. right. And once you have Joey Bosa and Kyle Van Noy can be reverted to that edge three linebacker role, then I think a lot of these discussions kind of become a, a moot point, you know. So uh, that's really kind of the issue. Now, you could say like the Chargers should have traded for someone or, or done something better than Kyle Van Noy, right? Like if you want to go to that perspective. But uh, Kyle Van Noy isn't really like the sole reason for the third down problems. I, I think that's a rather layered issue but um i think it's yeah. more about joey bosa not being there than kyle van Noy. yeah i think if you're talking about kyle van Noy's best role it is as that kind of hybrid player where he's able to play off the ball somewhat and rush the rush the passer somewhat so i i just don't think that he is he's a fit for what the Chargers are asking him to do right now uh and once joey bosa comes back you know that that can change a little bit more and obviously like like alex mentioned you know we were all hoping for more from Chris Rumpf as well. And he's basically been the same player he was last year. So uh, there, there's layers to Kavanoi not being uh, as productive as we all were hoping. And it's not just that he's, he's a bad player or, or anything like that. You know, he's there's multiple issues here. So um, in, in regards to third down, that's kind of where we, I want us, I know the run defense was terrible today, but I do want to start with the defensive concerns from the third downs perspective, because uh, the Cardinals up until the final three drives, which ended in three and outs, uh, were seven of 10 on third downs today, uh, ended up being seven of 13, which is still way too high. But I mean, this, this team just cannot get off the field on third downs at a consistent enough level. And part of that is the pass rush. But today it felt like it was, it was, it was like the rush offense or the rush defense combined with that as well so uh what'd you make of the third down performance today from the uh chargers defense oh i mean it was just gross like and all the time <laughs> you could just see that they weren't going to get off the field it's like oh here comes you know super bowl 52 hero Corey clement and we just didn't we just decided not to cover him like what are we doing <laughs> and it's third and seven <laughs> uh or it's like even third and four and everyone's playing like 10 yards off what are we doing yeah like can you please cover um you know and the run defense is, is problematic in that as well which we'll get to and and that's kind of a disaster and has been the whole year but like I, I didn't understand any of like the pass coverage like reps on third down when arizona did throw the ball like it just it just felt like something that was like really hard to watch and you know i i think part of this is just an effort thing as well like i i don't know how the chargers are so locked in for the first two downs and then like this third down turns into what it is um or what it has been the whole season um but yeah obviously missed tackles are, are part of this as well chargers probably i mean i don't know if this is their worst like tackling game of the season but certainly some missed opportunities that even someone like derwin who's generally a good tackler would have wanted back um and so yeah overall like the tackling issues combined with the coverage issues and, and how soft they tended to play today combined with the run defense issues. Like uh, it was just all 
you know, not great. And, you know, they end up winning this game uh, and primarily because they get those stops at the end of when it mattered on third down. But it's just like I, you know, it, this is also a time of possession issue, too. Like you just cannot keep staying on the field for that long. And and like you're saying, the, the third down, even though they went seven for 10 and they won today, uh, it's just not sustainable in terms of a way of winning in the future as well. Yeah, that's I go back to what Tyler has kind of talked about all season where it just feels like they're trying to survive and and just kind of get to a point where they can dial up some pressure and and maybe get a sack or maybe you get a turnover. And and sometimes that works. And sometimes you you end up being seven for 10 on third downs. And I think for me, it's just like the way that the the conversions happen. You know, like there was a third and four and you give up an eight yard run to James Conner. You know, there's a third and six and it ends up being a 35 yard touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins. And it's like they're not even just getting like beat by like a yard or like half a yard. Right. Like they're giving up big plays on downs where you're supposed to get stops where you're supposed to get off the field. And it's just it's an issue. It's been an issue all season long. It's been an issue. It was an issue last year. And I, I just don't understand like what the plan is on third down. But then at the same time, like you look at their fourth down defense or like the red zone defense. And generally speaking, they execute very well and they execute at a, at a high level in those situations. So I just ca- I can't wrap my head around what the plan is when it's, you know, third and five at midfield versus third and five in the red zone. Because in the red zone, they do a pretty good job at it. At midfield, it's like, you know, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it, it just feels like there's too much space uh, almost. And like everyone's just really like disorganized, yeah. um, you know, blown coverages are just like, oh, we're where where are we, you know, where who is supposed to cover that guy? Right. Like and the Chargers had some of these issues last year, um, even like Chris Harris, like yelling at people in the Raiders game, even though <laughs> it was his fault. Like, you know, this isn't a new thing, I guess, for the Chargers. Right. Um, in, in terms of how disorganized they've looked when trying to get off of the field. But yeah, it's it's looked particularly bad this year, considering you know the talent that they do have on that defense. Yeah, uh, it's just it, it's incredibly frustrating, and you know perhaps even more frustrating for some people. I'm I'm sure you know we can talk about this as well. Uh, James Conner, 25 carries, 120 yards on the ground today. His first 100 yard game since 2020 as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, his season high in rushing yards heading into today was 69 yards on the season. Uh, and he hit that by about the second quarter with like five minutes left in, in that. So just uh, it was just another awful day against the run. I mean, as a whole, you know, you get 34 carries, 181 yards on the ground. Uh, obviously, some of that is Kyler Murray scrambling, which they, again, didn't do a good enough job preparing for, for that either. Um, and then the one touchdown. So. Overall, you're talking about 5.3 yards per carry. That is continuing to be the worst number in the league. Uh, it's just they're not they're not stopping anybody, man. They, this is was their sixth running back of the season out of 11, 11 teams that they have played. Six have produced a 100 yard rusher. Uh, it's just awful right now. This run defense is worse than last year somehow, and it does it just. There's no excuses for it. You're talking about a Cardinals team that is not good at running the football. They are not good at running the football. They, they fired their run game coordinator this week. They've had 15 different offensive line combinations, and they and they got 180 yards on the ground today against the Chargers. There's just there's no excuses for it, man. There, I'm, I'm, I'm done making excuses for 
the way that this staff coaches run defense it just does not make any sense to me no i mean it's it's fundamentally awful and you know the like this should have been the game like if you were going to have a game where the chargers finally you know stopped a rushing attack like it should have been this one they averaged 1.8 yards per carry against the niners they had their 25th in run blocking efficiency you know for the season uh, they just fired their run game coordinator slash offensive line coach. Oh, and still we can't do anything like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is after getting gashed by Isaiah Pacheco and the Chiefs, not even necessarily elite, you know, run game last week. Right. So the Chargers like I just I've just given up. I, I've given up in terms of like trying to stop the run. And it almost feels like the Chargers have, right? Like every game that they won the season against Cleveland and Atlanta, they get gashed, you know, on the ground. And then like they still win the game, you know, through some means. But it's like, you know, here's the thing. uh, Allowing 150 plus yards to, you know, rushers probably like isn't a sustainable (laughs) way to win, which is largely why you're like six and five. Right. Um, I, I don't know. Like that. That's just where the Chargers are right now. You know, we got James Conner back there looking like he's Emmett Smith and Kyler Murray <laughs> has 56 yards because, of course, um, off of, you know, potentially bum hamstring. Like, I don't know, man, like, like, I just don't see how it gets better, which is like the problem. And you're going to play Derrick Henry, uh, you know, obviously in, in three weeks here. Uh, next week, you have Josh Jacobs, you know, coming down the pike, which is not going to be fun. Uh, turns out he's still really good despite the Raiders declining the fifth year option. Um, and the, the Chargers just have a lot of these, you know, running backs that they're going to play. I, I don't know what the solution like is to this, um, you know, and if you do this like in the playoffs, like, you know, there there's something to be said for like, OK, any down where the Cardinals don't pass the ball, I guess, is a win. Right. And you're just trying to like sustain uh you're just trying to like weather what you're going to get on the ground and then like make plays when you can and that is how i think the chargers approach the falcons and like browns games for example but like it's just not a sustainable way to win like most of the time when nick chubb and kareem hunt have 200 yards you're gonna lose the game nine out of ten times right and the chargers found the one out of ten that they won the game right which is fine because you know jacoby Brissett decided to throw below he gilman a gimme uh, yeah. But like even in a game like today, like overall, if the Chargers don't win that game, we're feeling really terrible about the run defense today. And I still think we should feel really terrible about the run defense. And and there will be things that make it better. Joey Bosa coming back um, and just, you know, reinforcements in general. But overall, like their linebackers are kind of their linebackers right now, like for the rest of the year. So are their safeties. So are, you know, so is really their defensive line uh, for the rest of the season, considering, you know, you have uh, Covington um, and Ogbonia and all those guys not coming back, including Austin Johnson. Uh, So aside from Joey Bosa coming back, which will help a lot on the edge compared to what they're getting in Kyle Van Noy right now, like that'll help the run defense a lot. But at the same time, like it, it's it's not going to help you that much, you know, to, you know, bump you up from 30th to 20th. Like, you know, yeah. that's just where the Chargers are right now. So um, as far as the run defense, um, they're fucked. And it's I mean, it's not like Joey's going to be 100 percent ready to go right from the jump whenever he comes back. So. Exactly. 
again, uh, you know, he had an Instagram post today saying that he's he's trying to come back soon. Uh, and, and Matt Money Smith again said two weeks. Uh, he said that on Thursday. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But to your point, it's not just that they have Josh Jacobs coming up. I mean, we're talking about Derrick Henry coming down the road. We're talking about Jonathan Taylor coming down the road too. So it's not like this is, team is going to get any easier running back matchups. And it's just it's just really frustrating. And, and again, I could. We all know that Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt are good, right? We all know that Josh Jacobs is a good running back. We all know that uh, the 49ers have a good running scheme. You're talking about James Conner and the Cardinals going for You can't make every running back look like Nick Chubb. <laughs> like, this shouldn't be that right. hard. Right. That's that's my thing right here. Like, if you're talking to me about a couple games here and there where the run defense just kind of sucks against Nick Chubb and, and elite backs, I'm like, okay, I can understand that. I can live with it. A buck 20 to James Conner and the Cardinals, man? Like, oh, it just was... It was gross today. So I wanted to address this because Kapil had a, a good point in the chat. Um, it, it's almost, it, he says, it's almost like, it, it almost feels like a strategy, excuse me. Um, and then he goes on to say as well, we'd rather give up 150 yards rushing than 300 yards passing there. And there is, certainly is some truth to that. The way that Brandon Staley plays is to, is to more to defend the pass than the run. That is absolutely true. But I think even he would tell you that giving up 150 yards rushing is not ideal uh, with this kind of uh, defense being played. So again, some of this is by design, right? Like you you have these players where the emphasis is, is is on lighter boxes. The emphasis is on playing the pass more so than than the run. And their pass defense is pretty good in, in terms of their rankings. But um, I think even he would admit to you that if like really given the chance that, you know, the run defense was an issue. And I think, they they told us that the run defense was an issue when they went out and signed Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson to big time contracts. So um, it just some of it is personnel, some of it is scheme, and uh, some of it also is just effort out there, man. Like uh, there are certain players out there who are just uh, you can tell that run defense is not their thing, and you can tell that other players just are not seeing things super well and they're not being able to to wrap and tackle very well. So. There's a lot of layered issues here with why the run defense is bad. And like Alex is saying, that's why this is not going to get better just when Joey Bosa comes back. Right. And like, yeah, like in general, you'd rather give up 150 yards rushing than 300 yards passing, like like Appeal says. But there's going to be games where that's not sustainable, right? Like, you know, they get lucky in the Browns game because Jacoby throws in the interception. Atlanta, Marcus Mariota, like... You do this against the Dolphins, like I'm sorry, like yeah, you allow 150 rushing yards to them. Jalen Waddle and, <laughs> and, uh, and and Tyree Kill are gonna like cook you. <laughs> like this is gonna be really bad um, if you're getting you know destroyed on the ground. And then in addition to that, like you don't necessarily like have the secondary to be able to hang with those guys. Um, so I I don't know. Like yeah, sure. Like you got past uh, the Cardinals today, which is fine. But if you go against like a genuinely good rushing attacks and also, you know, uh, a scheme like the Dolphins who have a genuinely great, you know, passing attack to go along with it, like that could turn into a really ugly game fast if you're not able to stop Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert and you make them look like Nick Chubb. Like, <laughs> so, you know, that that's an example of a game that can get ugly pretty quick. I mean, we just saw the same thing from the the Chiefs game, right? Like they the reason why they could knock it off of the field against the Chiefs, I mean, obviously part of it is, is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey being great, right? But, you know, at some point, they they started focusing on trying to stop Isaiah Isaiah Pacheco. They started doing some some six-man front looks, and 
and then Patrick Mahomes just started dinking and dunking right behind their their linebackers. So, you know, it all works together when you're playing a great offense. You have to be good at everything. It's not like you can just be good against the pass against teams like the Chiefs and the Dolphins and and these elite uh, offenses. So um, it's going to be tough for them to to uh, manage enough stops in those games. You know, you're not going to get an inconsistent play caller like Cliff Kingsbury every single week. And you're not going to get a team that is openly that has their quarterback openly saying that they were schematically fucked against the chargers. That's not happening against uh, uh, Mike McDaniel uh, in a few weeks or um, obviously Sean McVay and all these other elite play callers too. So it just was frustrating to watch this, (laughs) this run defense make James Connor look like he was a top five running back in the league this in, in general today. Well, we made Rex Burkhead look like Walter Payton. Um, so, <laughs> like, I don't know, we're just used to this, but like, that's the disappointing part of this is like the the run defense was supposed to be fixed like at some point this year. Like, we just thought, okay, here we go. Like, Staley made all these offseason moves, and yeah, Joey Bosa not being there is like bad, and they they've suffered injuries on the interior. But at the same time, we're sitting here almost a year later from that Texans game, and nothing has changed as far as the run defense nothing has gotten better and as far as the rest of this season i don't think anything will get better yeah i mean there there's a lot of conversations to be had about the the coaching staff in general and where they're at but i think if you're talking about some staff mix uh mix-ups that needs to happen in, in the off season i think they absolutely need to get like a bona fide run defense guru in here and have him come in and, and fix this issue if brandon city is going to stick around um, and I think, you know, on the opposite side, I would love to see them get an actual run game coordinator back because I think they they really miss having that guy in Frank Smith uh, from uh, last year as well. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But um, if Brandon City is going to stick around next year and the run defense continues to be bad next year, man, like it's it's just not going to change very much. Um, another super super chat question real quick from uh, Lefty Top Tens. Appreciate it. Um, he says, what can the Bolts do schematically to mitigate the O-line? Many teams out there like the Bills, Bengals pushing the ball despite having met all lines. Um, well, I think if you look at those teams specifically, you know, they will do a lot of different things out of empty. That's kind of their superpower of Josh Allen and uh, Joe Burrow. Chargers don't really do a whole lot of that. You know, they don't run six, seven deep at wide receiver. They don't uh, have that kind of skill set, unfortunately. Um, so they, the way that the Chargers can mitigate offensive line issues is is what they've done in the past, specifically against like the 49ers in the first half of that game, where it was a lot of heavy, uh, heavy set play action schemes where you're max protecting with seven, sometimes eight uh, blockers in there with two tight ends, a running back. Um, you can do a lot of the quick game stuff, which they've done in the past and did a lot today. Do a lot of the rollout stuff, again, which they've done in the past, RPO stuff. So the Chargers do a decent enough job at that overall, but it it always feels like in the second half of games, they just would rather get into their regular offense and stop doing the, Hey, let's bail out the offensive line here. Like, let's just do our thing. And I think that's partially why we see them struggle in the second halves so frequently. Yeah. Um, I I mean, the solution to this, I guess is more play actions, more RPOs. I mean, kind of like Steven said, um but you know obviously week to week opponent to opponent like that's probably going to change so i don't i don't know if there's like one solution to like fixing the offensive line or trying to support it um but yeah i I do think you run more stuff out of empty than they are right now but 
Yeah, it, it is confusing to me that like just in general, they'll have a week where it works really well for like a half and then like they'll just leave all that stuff in the playbook um, and then like continue running stick for you know quite a while. So I, I like I don't know. I, I would love to see more stuff out of play actions, more RPO concepts. Um, but yeah, we don't we don't see them consistently. Yeah, I, I don't know what the rationale is behind. They just kind of abandon what works for this team so well and then late in the game it's like okay let's do let's do the stuff that worked earlier in the game and it's like yeah no shit um so again that's that's a very valid criticism of the way this team approaches offense and the way that joe lombardi calls plays but um i think this is also another way where they miss frank smith because last year um you know frank smith having such a strong voice in the offensive game plan and also being the offensive line coach i think was something that really helped this team be as efficient as it was last season and this year you know it doesn't seem like Brendan Nugent has that great of an influence on the offense overall it just feels like it's back to Joe Lombardi being his his own his own show again another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. So appreciate the uh, super chat there. All right, Alex, we'll get to our uh, studs and duds uh, segment here and then we'll we'll kind of wrap it up. So. Uh, who's your, we'll start with the duds today. We'll, we'll finish on a positive note. Uh, who's your dud of the day? Uh, dud of the day if, could go to a lot of guys, I guess. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's just been hot and cold for Kenneth Murray. I mean, is, is probably the guy that I'll go with. Uh, a lot of just missed tackle opportunities, um, you know, and overall just like, even that almost sack on Kyler Murray that he almost had, like if you if you bring him to the ground there, then like, but then suddenly they allow that play where Kyler just flips it out, uh, and then suddenly it's a six yard gain instead of a six yard loss. So I would just say the cleanness of what we've seen from Kenneth Murray uh, has just been so up and down going back to that 49ers game, uh, and it's been more down than up recently. So yeah, just wasn't a big fan of Kenneth Murray today. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see what like the PFF numbers will exactly look like in terms of missed tackles and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they just they just need better at linebacker right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. We've we've talked about Kenneth Murray a lot in, in this segment, and um, you know he's just not he doesn't see things very well. And I know people don't like to hear criticism of him, but um, you know it's just it's not been pretty, and it wasn't pretty again today. So. Uh, I think my dud of the day, I'm just going to say the offensive line in general. Um, they all had pretty bad moments, in my opinion. I mean, when Jabari Sawyer had uh, gave up his first sack of the season, which was obviously a streak that was not going to continue forever. But he had a couple other bad moments as well, particularly against J.J. Watt, um, which, again, is not a, a surprise in a vacuum. Um, Matt Filer has really kind of struggled again. So very up and down season from Matt Filer this year. Uh Will Clapp had to come in and didn't play particularly great either. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say dud of the day, just offensive line in general. Yeah, 
Uh, offensive line in general, I think, is a fair one, uh, considering how they played today. Uh, do we want to get the studs? Yeah, go for it. Stud, uh, I mean, I guess you could go with a couple. Uh, I'll, you know, uh, I'll continue with the bit and go with uh, DeAndre Carter as my <laughs> stud of the day. Um, you know, obviously gets the touchdown uh, that the Chargers desperately needed at that point in the game. You know, I, and I'll say another stud, you know, give credit to Staley for going for two because I honestly, if the Chargers do not get that and they take the extra point and go to overtime, I, I don't know if the defense necessarily had enough, like at that point left in the tank left to win. So Brandon Staley just kind of going for the win right there, um, I, I think does deserve some praise despite, you know, a lot of things that, uh, the defense he coached and the uh, you know other decisions he's make might have drive me crazy but he got that one uh and so you know deserves credit for being more more adjacent to the 2021 brand Staley than the 2022 version we've seen so far um and then if i had to go the defensive stud uh just to you know go to that so i guess i'm giving a lot of studs and a lot of duds uh but overall like i, I mean good Good game, I would say, from Morgan Fox. Uh, you know, he had a pretty Ooh. positive game uh, overall. So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I'm curious to see where his pressure numbers end up at. But I th- I do think Morgan Fox had a had a good game as well. Michael I think, too. yeah, I was going to say, I think my, so I went kind of uh, general unit for duds. I'm going to say stud for uh, Derwin James and Michael Davis. Like I said, I feel like those two kind of, uh carry the day on defense they were kind of the ones that really stepped up stepped up in key moments obviously like i mentioned you know the two turnovers from derwin you get a pass break or two pass breakups a sack from michael davis some really good coverage in, in other instances as well so uh yeah I, i'd say derwin and michael davis probably earned the the stud of the day studs of the day for uh me for sure and you could obviously mention justin herbert again i wouldn't blame anybody for mentioning him today i don't think he had his best stuff personally um, obviously had a, a great moment down the stretch, but, um, I think for me, Derwin and, uh, Michael Davis deserve that shout out for sure. All right. Uh, Alex, any, uh, final thoughts before we head out? Uh, I would have truly been in a terrible position if we had lost to Cliff Kingsbury today. Uh, <laughs> so we have, we had avoided that fate for one week. We are not schematically fucked. Uh, as Kyler Murray put it. So uh, we are now on to who do we play next? Uh, Oh, we're on to Vegas. (laughs) Fuck, I forgot. Uh, We're on to the Raiders. And uh, yeah, feels good to be back in the win column. Uh, Let's see if we can make it to next week. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a choice. (laughs) They better win next week. Um, You know, this is a team that needs to keep on stringing together some wins. So um you know all in all this was a um, would be a very different would have been a very different podcast had the team uh not been able to string together that final drive and win the game so uh very excited that they were able to do this obviously podcasting uh much more fun after wins than it is after losses like last week so um you know glad that they were able to uh get it together I do have to say before we wrap up as well uh huge shout out to anybody that went to the game in Arizona today uh, there was a very noticeable Chargers crowd in that game. Um, so shout out to anybody that was in the crowd in Arizona. Um, you could really notice uh, a difference down there in the fourth quarter when the, the team needed it. So uh, respect to anybody who made that trip down. And uh, like I mentioned, you deserve all the props in the world. I think you 
Uh, definitely felt the team feel your presence today. Honestly, I've never met a single Cardinals fan. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know if they exist. Uh, and like maybe we're out of pocket talking about this as Chargers fans. But like I've seen more Chargers fans, way more Chargers fans on the internet. And like you know, it, the fact that the Chargers took over your stadium, like I mean that that's that's a that's a problem there. Like it's one thing that the Eagles do it, but I mean I, I don't know. Like are there Cardinals fans? Like they have a fairly competitive team, and like they have Kyler Murray, they have DeAndre Hopkins um yeah i i never met one though then again i live on the east coast and I, yeah there's not there's not many like diehard arizona people there i'm just saying like i see a lot of you, phoenix suns fans on the timeline like i see a lot of i see a lot of those i don't see a yeah. lot of cardinals fans we chargers fans have officially we, we've gone past yeah. that point so we're yeah. we can make the jokes now because we're we're, we're past the point of the cardinals we can <laughs> well, make we jokes also beat them we also beat beaters. them today so we can make the jokes. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> then me. again i would i would uh be very wary about showing my face publicly if my head coach was cliff kingsbury too so oh yeah um <laughs> maybe that's why they're a little quiet uh sean parmenter pointing out that matt money smith said on the radio broadcast this is the biggest uh road crowd he's ever seen so oh yeah um, i mean that's really cool just uh you know to another game in that uh, same stadium in which dicker was the kicker uh the eagles also ran over that stadium uh really hard too so i don't know like it's just i i don't know if the cardinals like have any fans <laughs> it just feels like they're they're definitely not super intense there because the no, team's no. never really been like tr- i mean i know that they had like the kurt warner super bowl years but They've never I mean, the, media, the median age of the population is also like 95. Also right? that, so, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess yeah. <laughs> no, it is it is the retirement, you know, area. And more people get there into the winter, so I don't know. Who, who cares? But um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate everybody in the chat today. Appreciate you guys uh, supporting the show, as always. Uh, please make sure and like subscribe uh turn those notifications on we always appreciate all that good stuff um if you're listening to the audio version of this make sure and leave us a rating uh or a review of your choice uh all of that feedback really helps us continue to grow the podcast and uh do fun shows like these so um yeah that's gonna do it for us we'll see you guys on wednesday for our preview of the uh matchup with the las las vegas raiders and we'll see you then bolt up The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.